Are you a strong, independent woman who's passionate about her career? Then this podcast is perfect for you. Based on her book, The Career Woman's Secret Playbook, career coach Dr. Dawn Hamby shares the kind of insider secrets you can only know if you've hired, fired, and promoted employees over the past 30 years. Ladies, I'm on a mission to help busy women just like you create a career and life you love without sacrificing your work-life balance to get it. Come join me as we inspire and motivate each other only as women can and have lots of fun along the way. With Dr. Dawn's tools, strategies, and action steps, you can unleash your personal and professional power in a whole new way. Here's today's episode. Welcome to episode 18 of the Career Woman's Secret Playbook podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Dawn, CEO and founder of Dr. Dawn Shop Talk. And you might remember that in last week's episode, it was all about what to do when your office is driving you nuts. Well, what if the person who's driving you nuts is your boss? That presents its own challenges, right? So, You know, if we're going to talk about how to deal with stressful situations at the office, we really do need to address this as well. So that presents its own challenges, doesn't it? And that's basically, you guys, what we're going to talk about today. Now, before we do, if you're new here, I want to welcome you to our community of busy and amazing career women who just want to live their lives with more passion and purpose. If that sounds like you, or even if you're one of the career gentlemen out there, you definitely come to the right place. I drop new episodes on Monday, so be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out. And then be sure to head over to drdawnshoptalk.com. I've got tons of free goodies for you right there on the website to help you on your journey. I'll be sure to include those links and the link to the book our podcast is based on in the show notes below. So scroll on down to find out more about that. All right, you guys, let's go ahead and get started. I want to start first by taking a look at this statistic. Did you know that a difficult relationship with a coworker or boss is the number one reason why people leave their jobs today? Did you know that a difficult boss is actually a situation that most professionals have had to deal with at least once in their career? So if you're feeling this or going through this right now, I promise you, you're not alone. How about this? Have you ever felt so frustrated in a situation like this that you felt like the only option you had was to quit? Well, if you're in that situation or know someone who is, today's episode is actually going to be perfect for you. I'm going to show you why quitting is not always the best answer, and I'm going to give you two easy but powerful strategies. I'm going to show you not only how to work with someone who's difficult, but I'm going to show you that if you flip the script, there's actually some real advantages to doing so. Ready? Here we go. All right. First, let's recognize that dealing with a challenging manager can certainly present difficulties. Quitting the position again, like I said earlier, is not always the answer. There are several ways you can deal with a difficult boss while still remaining professional. First, it's important to recognize that the relationship with your supervisor really can be the single most 
important relationship in the workplace. So as a result, a negative relationship with your boss can really impact your professional and in many times too, your personal life in lots of different ways, right? Because it's going to spill over. If you're having a miserable time at your job, isn't it harder to just maintain that joy in your personal life? In fact, you might end up, you know, taking it out on your loved ones. We've talked about that before. Now, while your first instinct may be to just go ahead and, you know, throw in the towel, well, again, dealing with a difficult supervisor is often the best and actually the most productive option. Why? Well, it's because it forces you to address the situation. And when you do, it will lead us to our first strategy. Number one, the benefits of confronting the problem. In other words, confronting this difficult situation. So let's talk about that. So there are several benefits that can actually come from addressing the situation with a difficult boss or coworker. A few of those benefits include reduced work-related stress, and as a result, a reduced chance of getting sick. Stress, when it goes up, your chances of getting sick also increase, okay? There's definitely a relationship there. Here's another benefit, increased work satisfaction and relationships. Here's one more, increased job productivity and potential for career advancement. Now, if you flip that around, you can see the opposite of that is true, right? If you're not dealing with the problem, setting those healthy boundaries and learning how to work with someone who's difficult, then instead of reducing work-related stress and your chance of illness, that's going to go up. Instead of increasing those work relationships and satisfaction, again, that's going to go down. And the same is true about job productivity and your potential for career advancement, right? Instead of that going up, it's going to go down. And you start to see those challenges as opportunities. Instead, you're going to see all the benefits to you and your skill set if you just choose to go ahead and work it out, okay? Now, are you ready to move on to strategy number two? In this strategy, I want you to think of an acronym. Think of these three letters, ESP, okay? Now, a way to remember this is not only to use this as an acronym where each letter is gonna stand for a different part of the strategy, but if used correctly, ESP, can literally be a way to look into sort of that crystal ball of your future. Now, I'm going to explain more about that in just a minute. Now, before we actually get into the specifics of strategy number two, this power strategy, I wanted to let you know, I mentioned this in the intro, that you can watch a video about this very subject on my YouTube channel. Now, on that video, you're going to see me take you through each and every one of the steps we're talking about today. So again, I'll be sure to include that in the show notes. And then also, when I talk about ESP in the other YouTube video, you're going to see I'm going to change that last letter. and You'll understand a little bit more uh, about that if you watch that video as well. Okay, let's head back to strategy number two, something again we're calling ESP. You know that typically stands for extrasensory perception, right? And in the classic definition of ESP, we're really thinking about people having sort of that sixth sense. In other words, that ability to perceive and receive information, not just perceive it, but to receive it, but not through the physical senses, but instead through their mind. 
Okay, so, you know, when we think ESP, again, you're going to think of extrasensory perception, and they can receive thoughts and, you know, think about things, send thoughts through their mind without their words or their physical senses. So think about that, because if you use strategy number two, these three aspects of strategy number two, you're going to actually be able to kind of perceive your future. You're going to be able to receive those messages in a slightly different way. Okay. So again, I'm going to use a slightly different definition for our purposes, this idea of being able to see what others can't, but it's still very relevant to what we're talking about today. So let's start with that first letter, the letter E. The letter E is going to stand for empathize. Okay. Empathize. Now here's the challenge. I want you to start putting yourself in your boss's shoes. In other words, to understand a little bit better what your boss is going to be going through, okay? If you start with empathy, it really helps you kind of understand the boss's position. Now, this doesn't mean the boss is right, especially if they're so difficult, but it's always helpful to increase your empathy. It's going to help you in so many other areas in your life, and it can help you see what others can't. It can help you sort of anticipate the need. And I'm telling you what, when I have recommended someone for a promotion, it's oftentimes been because they get things done before I even ask them to get it done. Remember, if you don't know this about my work history, I have supervised people for many years. I had the privilege to sit on both sides of that desk, both as the employee and as the supervisor. And I'm telling you, I never had as much sympathy for supervision (laughs) until I became a supervisor, okay? So when you're the boss. Yeah, it comes with some privileges, but man, it is a completely different aspect of your career. So because I had had that experience for so many years, it helped me anticipate the need of my boss, right? Because unless you're at the very, very top of your organization, even if you're a boss, you probably have a boss as well. So as a result of being a boss myself, I was able to be an even better employee to my boss. And as a result, it's a skill set that I knew I could take anywhere. So if I wanted to pivot and take advantage of another career opportunity, I was basically building my brand by developing that skill set within myself. So really think about empathizing. Okay, because you don't know what the boss is going through. Maybe they're going through some challenges in their personal life. Maybe there are employees that are not as fabulous as you and they're driving your boss crazy. All of these things can affect your boss's behavior and understanding their position may give you a brand new outlook. So more importantly, these things can kind of help you accept and cope with these challenging situations, as you start to understand, you're not necessarily the problem. And when your boss is being difficult, yes, you need to set those healthy boundaries. But if you start with that empathy, the letter E in our ESP and sort of looking into the future, you're going to be able to come from a position of understanding and a position of abundance. You're not going to think the problem always has something to do with you because that's kind of that scarcity mindset, right? We don't want to come from that place. You want to increase your feeling of abundance. And as a result, it can really affect your career confidence, which is always a good thing. 
Okay, if it's affecting it in a positive way, that is. All right, let's move on to the letter S in our ESP strategy. S is going to stand for strategize. In other words, we're going to strategize the needs by taking the time to become very well acquainted with your boss's habits, their demands, and their expectations. Because think about this. Every boss has their preferences, right? You know, for example, I loved it when my folks let me know about things after they at least tried to work things out. In other words, if they came to me with every little problem, it it was hard for me not to see them a little differently. I would start to maybe see them as a negative Nancy or maybe somebody who really didn't have much leadership potential. Now, Yeah, I'm the one who's the boss and, quote, makes the big bucks, so I should be the one to help them solve their problems and be there for them as a support. But if my employee came to me with at least one or two solutions, instead of always coming to me with the actual problem with no idea of how to fix it, you know, again, it's a quality I appreciate. So, you need to start thinking about how does your boss handle things? What are their habits? What are things that are really important to them? You know, maybe for your boss, FaceTime is really important. But maybe your boss's schedule is such that, you know, being there in the office in the afternoon may not be as important as being there first thing in the morning. Well, if that's the case, if your boss is one of those early risers, then you probably need to get to the office before they do, where they can see you're available. And then in the afternoon, maybe you've got a flexible work schedule as a result. Um, then maybe in the afternoon, that's not as important to your boss because they want to get a certain list of things done before, say, lunchtime. So again, just knowing your boss's habits, what their expectations are. Like I've worked with folks where they like some sort of update regularly. That's usually a pretty good indicator of keeping the line of communication open. But I've had other bosses that didn't want as many updates because, you know, their emails were already flooded. (laughs) So instead, they really, really appreciated it when I would only update them maybe once or twice a week, not every single day, or maybe every other week. And again, came to them with solutions. Now, in doing so, also keep in mind, you come up with these strategies to strategize sort of the need that your boss has. And as a result, you're able to sort of, you know, anticipate uh, those demands and expectations. When you do that, you can literally anticipate their requests and you can avoid exasperating any tension that may start building in your relationship. Now, here's another important fact. When your boss sees that you don't have to be micromanaged, they're probably going to provide you with more freedom and require that you check in with them a lot less. Now, listen, I have definitely worked with bosses that are micromanagers, so that's a whole other ball of wax. Again, not the best situation. And here's another little hint that your boss might be a micromanager if they tell you all the time that they don't micromanage. (laughs) I have found when the boss says that a lot, (laughs) they usually are a micromanager. They're trying to convince themselves, you know, what are you going to do? Again, you're working with someone who's difficult. A micromanager definitely could be difficult. So, but what if your boss is not a micromanager, but he really wants, let's say, client updates 
by lunchtime, by noon. Well, then don't wait to send those in. Make sure you get those in right away, first thing in the morning. You know, maybe your boss gets there a little bit later in the morning. And if that's the case, then when he opens up his email, it's going to be great when he sees or she sees that that update is right there. He doesn't have to ask for it. Okay. So send them in as early as you can, if that's your situation and provide as much detail as you can. Meeting and exceeding your supervisor's expectations can show them that you not only respect their requests, but that you take your job very seriously. And that can go a long way. Okay, you guys, last but not least, let's look at the P in ESP. The P in ESP stands for practice. In other words, I want you to practice your leadership. Leaders truly see challenges as opportunities instead. You've probably heard that before. It's a popular concept because it works. It really does. So don't look at your difficult situation as, oh my gosh, now what? Don't go into panic mode. You guys, I had a wonderful assistant who worked uh, for me. I always like to say worked with me. He was terrific. The only drawback was, and he tried hard to work on this. He really did. It just wasn't in his nature. He tended to panic. He was in panic mode 24-7. And here's the thing. If you're my assistant, you need to let me panic. I need you to help calm me down, okay? Because it's probably my neck on the line. So in other words, if you're practicing your leadership, no matter whether you're the assistant or the boss, many times a boss becomes the boss because they've worked their way up. So they may have started at that entry-level position. Maybe they were an assistant in that department. You never know. But here's the deal. If you make life more difficult for the boss, more stressed out, and again, are coming to them with all of these crises, then again, it's going to be hard for the boss to really rely on you and to see you as a true asset. Okay. So again, use that difficult situation as an opportunity to practice your leadership and as an opportunity to show the boss that you can handle it. You've got their back and we're going to figure this out together and be stronger for it. Now in the YouTube video, do you remember me telling you that when I talk about this strategy, I actually use a different letter. I use the word C because that's another strategy you can use. And the C in the YouTube video talks about capitalizing on your strengths. So that's something else to think about. And if you're practicing your leadership, that's really what you're doing. You're capitalizing on those strengths, which in this case would be your leadership potential, right? How great are you at looking at a problem and coming up with a solution? Problem solving is critical. I'm working with a client right now who has amazing problem-solving skills, and I'm not surprised that he's at the top of his game and has definitely risen through the ranks of his organization and is looking at possibly applying for a very, very important position in his organization. Well, one of the reasons he would even be in consideration for that is because he definitely has capitalized on his strengths. And in our coaching sessions, you know, we're uncovering that even more and strategizing his next steps, right? So again, the P in ESP is you're going to practice your leadership. You're going to become that problem solver. You're going to become that go-to person. 
See, all of that is part of building your brand. I talk about that in the book. I have a whole chapter about building your brand because when you build your brand, which is really what people say about you as they say, it's what people say about you when you're not there, when you're not in the room. Do people refer to you as that problem solver? Do they say, oh yeah, man, John is awesome at that. Or do they say, oh yeah, uh, Bill is actually not the person you need to see. Well, Bob is even worse. My gosh, that person never answers an email. He's always late for a meeting, right? Those are the kinds of things I'm talking about. Your brand is your reputation and it precedes you. So if you practice your leadership, even if you never want to become a leader, you might just really be happy with where you are. Or maybe you don't want a different position within your organization that involves supervision, but maybe you want to throw your hat in the ring for another kind of promotion that could really capitalize on your strengths and really uncover, you know, your inner leader. Because people want to feel like they're taking charge of their day. That's how come I offer that four-step process, that web class you can take on the website that's all about taking charge of your life, both professionally and personally. And in that, I kind of focus on what I consider to be the four legs of that tabletop of inner strength. And you work on all four of those aspects because it helps uncover your true potential, right? So that's really what we're talking about. I want you to take the initiative. I want you to make decisions whenever possible so that you know that your decision-making can lead to positive results for both you and the organization. And think about this too. Your coworkers may be affected by your initiative. And as a result, they might start taking steps themselves to achieve those results. That's what teamwork is all about. You can be the inspiration. You know, oftentimes I tell people, look, I'm not about motivation. I love to motivate people, so to speak, but I know and everybody knows you can't truly motivate someone. Just like every awesome coach of a football team, basketball team, you name it, they're not really motivating their players. What they're doing is they're inspiring them. What they say in that locker room really can make the difference, right? If you're a sports fan, you've seen that happen, haven't you? Where a team just all of a sudden loses their confidence. They start off great. And oh my gosh, what the heck has happened? Well, they come out of that locker room after halftime and something has been said by that coach. And next thing you know, you can see that whole team who always had the talent to begin with, they start turning things around, don't they? That's what the best consultants and coaches do. That's why I love everything about career consulting, business coaching, all of that, because the talent's there. And most of the time in an organization, just to give you some stats, you've got maybe 85% of your talent pool that's really terrific. You've got maybe 5, 10, maybe even 15% who've lost their way and they're either never going to get it back or they're just so disillusioned or they are those negative Nancys that if you're not careful, if you're in a leadership position and you don't address that problem, it can become so toxic. So that's why the best leaders confront the problem and realize that confronting the problem doesn't have to be confrontational. But you know what? If it is, and you're in the position of leadership, that's just when you got to sometimes put your big pants on and face it. 
you got to deal with it because if you're in a leadership position, I take that very seriously. You are responsible for uncovering the talent of your employees. And you can't do that if you're allowing someone to create all of this havoc and chaos. Listen, I don't like firing people, but I've done it. I've done all the paperwork that's required, you know, whatever the case may be, built that case to explain to human resources why we're going to have to let this person go because it's not a good fit for them either. And you hate to do that as a supervisor. My goodness, you hold that person's career in your hands and you know, when you let someone go, that's going to affect their livelihood, their families, their potential for maybe even further employment. But in most cases, when I've had to let someone go, it has simply not been a good fit. And I've been more than happy to write them a letter of recommendation to help them find something that's better for them. Okay. Now that's not always the case. Maybe that person really had problems with negativity and no matter what they did, what we did, they just were not willing to pull their own weight. You know, back to that coach's example, you know, you can have an amazing coach, But if the player is not willing to do any of the work, you know, you're not going to be the best running back in the game, let's say. If you're always eating cheeseburgers and fries and never working out, lifting weights or working on your running speed, okay? (laughs) So that's the, the issue is you and folks in your organization everyone, every member of that team is going to have to put in the work. You can help to turn a negative environment into a positive one. You can turn a reactive environment into a proactive one. You really can. You just have to take these steps. And if you do, you're on your way. Okay, guys. So let's recap. Remember, we're using two power strategies to help turn this ship around. Number one, when you're dealing with a difficult boss, you're going to think about all the benefits in not quitting and actually confronting the problem. Remember what all those benefits were, everything from reduced work stress to increased satisfaction, relationships, you name it. The second power strategy was to think ESP, because this was a three-parter. E starts or stands for empathize. So you're going to start empathizing for what the boss is going through so that you can come from that power place, that position of abundance. The S in ESP is to strategize. So you're going to help strategize what the needs would be of the boss and of the situation you're facing. And then don't forget the P and ESP is going to stand for practice your leadership. Find all the ways that you can capitalize on your strengths and help bring some solutions. All right, you guys, I hope you enjoyed stopping in for today's episode. And of course, I look forward to you joining us the next time. In the meantime, though, don't forget our motto here at Shop Talk. And it's this, if you're not having a fantastic day, you have the power to make it one. I know our episode is over, but this is just the beginning. If you're ready to take action but don't know where to start, just head over to drdawnshoptalk.com for lots of free resources, ways to work together, and for even more. Subscribe to the Dr. Dawn Shop Talk YouTube channel. Remember, ladies, you don't have to take this journey alone. I've got you covered. Till next time.